Welcome to Ink and Pete, a podcast where memoir and Ireland share the stage. We talk with authors, guides, ghostwriters, and other free spirits drawn to memoir or enchanted by Ireland. I'm Barb Robitaille. And I'm Craig Stewart. Our guest today is Carol Raphael. She's an exceptional writer and editor who lives in Portland. We are delighted that she'll be joining us next fall as one of our mentors to help participants craft their stories. We had the opportunity to drink tea and something a little stronger with Carol a couple of weeks ago and found her company to be absolutely engaging and I so look forward to spending time with her next fall. Oh, she's, it's going to be wonderful to have her with us. Yeah. And I, I know this is an aside, but I have to bring it up. I know what you're going to say. I think you do. Yeah. Carol wears glasses, but she wears glasses like no one I've ever known before in my whole life. Yeah. And I know it's kind of her signature style, but she has, I don't know how many pairs she has. Maybe I'll ask her. I don't <laughs> yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. But she, I always look forward to see which ones she's going to be wearing when we run into her. Mm. So um, anyway, she's just delightful. Glasses or no glasses. She's exactly. got a, she raises the vibration. She's got a lovely presence. And we're so fortunate to have her with us. And Absolutely. I'm looking forward to all the help she can she can give me. <laughs> right. <laughs> both with your memoir and with glasses. Absolutely. Right. I could use tips definitely with both. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Great. Enjoy the podcast. Good morning, Carol. Welcome to Ink and Pete. <laughs> Glad to have you. Yeah, yeah, great to be here. We've already introduced you, but I just have to say so that you know how we're introducing you. Our guest today is writer-editor Carol Raphael, who lives in Portland, we're ecstatic that she's joining us this fall as one of the exceptional mentors who will guide us through our rem- memoir writing process. So it's a lot to live up to, right? There. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We've got pretty high standards, and uh, yeah. you fit in nicely. Uh, the first question I have: I know you've written a lot for a lot of people, both as a ghostwriter and as a writer editor. What would you say is the biggest challenge? for writing or a challenge for writing memoir for someone else or how do you approach it I guess well you see yeah I don't write the memoir for someone else I assist someone else in writing memoir because the content is that what's the question yeah the yeah, content is of course theirs so um you know there are various kinds of assistance depending on what their relationship is to writing, what their relationship is to what they've already created. So, um, you know, one thing I I can do is just help people formulate their ideas or formulate a structure for for a memoir because, you know, a memoir doesn't have to go sequentially necessarily. I mean, there are all kinds of ways to structure it. So that would be one important thing I could help them with. And also, um, what's the overall perspective? Why, you know, what is, what is, what's the ultimate story here? And then if they're, so if they're a, a comfortable writer, they can produce a, a manuscript and then I'll edit or do developmental editing or copy editing, whatever, proofreading. And if they're not, I can sit down with someone and um, either have a series of conversations or 
do it over Skype or Zoom or whatever, record the conversations, and then I can actually put a text together for them. But the content is always theirs. It's their, and the, and the voice is theirs. That's something that I work with people is to establish a voice. Some people will have it, you know, immediately. They have, well, most of us do actually. Right. Help them capture that voice. No matter if I'm actually doing the wordsmithing or they're doing the wordsmithing. Uh -huh. But to, um, to get, it has to be theirs. That, that's the primary, that's the primary uh, goal is it's their book their voice, obviously their content, um, and it reflects, it reflects them. Did you find that challenging to, when you first started writing, did you find that challenging to write in someone, well, in Well, that's actually what I loved, and I, you know, when, years ago when I first started writing, when I wrote under my own byline, byline of course it's my voice, but then you know, I did a fair amount of writing for businesses, and it's the same kind of uh, challenge is to capture who they are in language. And I like that. Mm. I, I like that a lot. <laughs> you know, so it's kind of tuning into them and channeling them. And that's often when I'm um, doing a memoir for someone who's not a writer. So, you know, we're having conversations or there's a recorded transcript. Um, I, I feel like I, I'm channeling them. And they sort of live in me for a while. <laughs> it's like channeling. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And I like that. I like kind of tuning into, uh, you know, other people, uh, whether it's a, a group of people or a company, which I don't do that anymore, but um, writing for business, but well, occasionally I do it a little bit, but um but you know it's the same it's the same process on my end whether it's a a company or whether it's an individual is to yeah get them get who they are and that's the gift you bring well it's what i enjoy doing so and, and probably yeah something i have a capacity to do carol you mentioned um developmental editing can uh -huh. you talk a little bit more about what that is exactly yeah that's i think a lot of people aren't necessarily familiar with that but a developmental editor uh, goes through a manuscript and sees if it makes sense if all the pieces um, you know work together if the, for example um, a lot of people have written a lot of essays or had stories published in various you know mag you know, publications and they think, wow, I've got so many of these. I'm going to, you know, this is a book. <laughs> well, maybe and maybe not. <laughs> That's what I do. And then they put them all together. And then, and then you, um, when I come along and I read it, I realize that they have an established context. They bring somebody's name up out of the blue. So, um, so I would look at it and, and, and from that point of view. Well, does this really work does this is this a book or is this a series of individual articles now that's you know you can't have a book of essays but then you're saying that up front but mm -hmm. if you're saying it's a memoir then it has to have coherence and it has to have flow and it has to have some kind of narrative going on so that's you know i work at that level so that's more of a meta level and then mm -hmm. you know the copywriting is more 
microscopic. <laughs> <laughs> Which you probably have a talent for as well. I like I'm doing that too. I must say, I'm just, it's the old English teacher in me. Um, not that I ever was an English teacher, but um, I have been a teacher, but I, I do get in there with commas and periods and <laughs> capitalizations and stuff. I do like, that's, yeah, the nerd side, the nerdy side. <laughs> Well, it takes it takes all of it, right? It's a it whole does. package. Yeah, it does, and it can be really annoying to read a really wonderful writer, and then it's riddled with mistakes. I mean, I hold the publisher accountable for that. Mm -hmm. I haven't really, you know, proofed it or copy edited it sufficiently. Mm -hmm. What What in your mind makes for really a compelling memoir to read as a reader? Maybe as a writer as well, but yeah, uh, no, but but that's important to be. Well, I think there are some people who are writers without being readers, but the vast majority of writers are readers as well. Um, it's the same analogy because I I've, what I have taught is art history. It's the same analogy in um, when I've taught art history and and. And I've talked to artists and they were completely, they were unfamiliar with, you know, major artists of, throughout history. So you kind of have to know your territory. You know, we're not isolated. So I think being a reader and a writer, I mean, I encourage people to read. In fact, when people say, well, I want to become a writer, how do I become a writer? I tell them to read what they want to write. So in the case of memoirs, read good memoirs. So what makes a good memoir? Well, obviously, you know, the writing, the quality of the writing. And also, I think, for me personally, some sort of transformation that some sort, you know, some sort of insight somebody gained or some, you know, some, some change that deepened their relationship and their understanding of life. Because then it's their life story is applicable to all of us. And that's, you know, that's what I'm really interested in. You know, there are also people who have amazing stories. They have a lot of humor or whatever. There's, that's also makes for a good book. You know, the, the, just the, the kind of stories they can bring to the table. Stuff, stuff that I've never experienced. But, you know, I think fundamentally good writing and some sort of you know insight some sort of self awareness some sort of growth that's what i look for and that's and i think that's going to that keeps the reader engaged absolutely great what would you say is an example uh, or two or three examples of okay well memoirs? um a current one and I think this is a very popular book, but I think is, I've been thinking about it a lot, is it's outstanding, is Educated by Tara Westover. Mm. It's a very powerful story. I mean, there's a lot of shocking elements to the story, but it's not that. It's the way in which she tells the story. It's her own maturation, her own sort of, you know, she tells, she's sober. She tells the story, you know, as it is, she hasn't, she doesn't manipulate our emotions in terms of her experience. And, and she has a lot of, she, she's taken a lot of care to, 
to tell the story fairly. It's a wonderful book. I think it's a, a really fine piece of writing, memoir or not. Um, you know, and I have mentioned this before, but for a, a book that I read a long time ago was The Seven Story Mountain, which is a spiritual biography or a memoir, not biography, sorry, a spiritual memoir. And that too has always stayed with me, as has, I don't know if you know the book Waiting for God by um, Simone Weil. That's another, yes, you know, magnificent book. And they go very deeply into their experience. Yeah. So I like books like that too. Yeah. Well, I love Seven Story Mountain. I like all the ones you mentioned. I just opened Educated last night. When you're 360 on the library waiting list, it takes a few months. So it's finally arrived and I'm enjoying it. But Seven Story Mountain was a book that I read when I was 12. And I've reread it many times since, but it did stay with me. It was, it was a a deeply moving and it touched me in a place that I think I needed, uh, but certainly benefited from. And it's a fascinating story as well. It is. It is. Absolutely. Yeah. You mentioned a spiritual memoir. So are there different, are there different types of memoir? I think there are. Yeah. I think, uh, there's a spiritual memoir. Another one that popped in my mind was the autobiography of a yogi, which yeah. is also yes. a wonderful book. Um, yes, and then there are political memoirs and mother-daughter memoirs, you know, family kinds of memoirs. But yeah, there's a lot of different ways to look at a life. Professional memoirs, that's popular. People who have been successful in business. Well, yeah, those are... I know we've heard from people who've wanted to come on the tour that a lot of them say, oh, my life is so boring. I have nothing to write about. You know, I'm not, I haven't been, uh, you know, haven't had a hardship. I haven't suffered through anything. I haven't had any successes, blah, blah, blah. What would you say to that? I have never met a single person who didn't have something pretty fascinating in their life Uh because it's our own life. We think, well, you know, we don't see the perhaps the uniqueness in it, but even in the quiet uh, parts of life, there are there's a lot that can be mined. I mean, that's what the spiritual biography. There's not much going on in many cases, but there is an inner journey that's going on. So yes, I I I I'd, I'd I'd have to challenge that person. I highly <laughs> doubt that's the case. I have, yeah, people do have interesting lives. Right. And so one of the other things I've uh, you've mentioned before is that people often, instead of going seeking uh, counseling or therapy, they often turn to memoir for, yeah. uh, for sort of cathartic. It's very reason. helpful. Yeah. Well, often, you know, a therapist will say, keep a journal. But that's another way to 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 get uh, to understand your life, especially if you've had some kind of trauma or something. Writing about it can be really helpful and really healing, I think. And mm-hmm. you know, the other thing about you know a memoir, I mean, you know, not everybody's going to write a memoir like Educated that's you know on the bestseller list. So I would also encourage people who are thinking about a memoir who who think, wow, what a wonderful thing to do, to think about, you know, who's going to read the memoir, even if you write it for your family, 
you know, that's, I mean, it's no even there. I mean, that's, that's a significant accomplishment and it's, it's an, uh, it helps, uh, it's also for oneself too. Yeah. So that's what we're saying. It's both the reader and for oneself. So those are, you know, motivations for doing a memoir. And it doesn't, you know, I think another thing is you don't have to even think book. Think chapter. Think a story. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Start small. Don't, you know, and maybe there isn't, a, you know, a 200-page book or a 150-page book. But maybe there's a, you know, a wonderful a wonderful essay or a wonderful story that gets told. So, yeah, I think we, yeah, we, we set ourselves, you know, these really high standards. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we all, right. Comparing ourselves to, uh, to educated right. or seven story mountain or right. Right. When so, in fact, but, when you're writing for an audience of one, it mm-hmm. makes things a little uh, easier to, to, to sure. frame. Right. Yeah. Or, you know, you're getting together with a, a group of people, like a group of people that will be on this trip, who are really interested in memoir as a literary form, who talk about, you know, like to talk about it, who um, see the value of it, whether it's therapeutic or for, you know, history or posterity, whatever. Um, you know, coming together with other people and and talking about it is because it, we're talking about our lives fundamentally. Mm-hmm. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I think. I mean, <laughs> oh, I that's too, really I what we're talking about. We're talking about our individual lives and life in general. Yeah. Which, uh, how does it get any better? No, it doesn't. Yeah. I can't wait. <laughs> no. So, yeah, speak a little bit more to that, like making a huge commitment to fly all the way over to Ireland mm-hmm. for 10 days in a, in a foreign place. What could what what do you see as being advantages or as being uh, beneficial to your writing as a uh, writing a memoir? Well, I think there are a few that come immediately to mind. Obviously, getting out of one's own context, daily life, at least for me, that's a, a, a really really helpful to now and then get away um, because it gives you you know it gives you perspective, it gives you clarity, you know you start to see what matters and what doesn't matter when you're out of the sort of daily responsibilities. So just getting away, um, being together with, which I just mentioned, other like-minded people who are interested in this particular uh, way of exploring a life. That, you know, is really rich in terms of conversation and sharing and learning and I have not been to County Mayo, but it sounds like it's an amazingly beautiful, <laughs> inspiring place. You know, the landscape, the physical environment, which I also think is really conducive. You know, it's elevating to be in a, you know, again, I haven't been there, but from what I'm learning from you too, and what I'm learning in general is that there is something that's about that particular landscape that's elevating, that kind of takes you up and out and broader and bigger uh, it's a great way to put it it sounds like you've been there yeah <laughs> <laughs> no it's true i walking the landscape uh there's nothing like it there the the breeze off the atlantic and you feel this closeness to 
But Barb, you describe it really well when you feel the the, the song of the land. I always I always refer to it as uh, there's something in my body uh, that I've never felt anywhere else before where I actually, walking across the landscape, I know it took me by surprise the first time 20-some years ago, but it's almost as if I could feel in my body the song of the land. Hmm, it just cool. came, came up through as I was walking these paths, and uh, there was just a, a sense of, embodying all that had gone before me, all the people who had walked the path prior and mm -hmm. all of the, um, the living that had been done there. Right. And, and so there's a part of it that you just carry with you then and you can draw from. I right. still bring that out. You know, it, it's part of that, the memory keeper that okay. I can, I can access even after I'm home. I don't, it stays with you. And so there's something about Ireland mm -hmm. is, what we always say there's just a bit of magic there and um so being there i never know how it's going to affect me mm -hmm. so the inspiration and how and the experience is going to be different for everyone sure yeah sounds like the land somehow is supportive it is yeah. the way you describe it yeah there's just a you know they always say the veil is thin between the worlds there uh, yes. The, yes, heard that. that's great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, absolutely. And there's, there's, I feel there's such truth in that because there's something that I feel in myself that I can access that, that something bigger, mm -hmm. whatever we want to call it, and I feel more in alignment with who I really am, mm -hmm. and that can manifest in just a sense of well-being, or it can manifest on pen to paper. Mm -hmm. You know, or, or a spatula to cookie sheet sometimes, <laughs> uh, you know. Or table to mouth. Table to <laughs> mouth. That's great. <laughs> it sounds really, yeah, I'm even more excited to go. Yeah, that sounds really special. So I think there are just so many ways that we tell our stories. And worth the trip. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 There. Yeah. I would like to go back to the H.G. Wells quote. So back in 1937, H.G. Wells said something about uh, that memoir would, would eventually replace the novel as right. a literary art form because humans were getting more introspective. Mm -hmm. And I'm just curious what, what you would think about that. I think it's a super interesting topic and something I've been thinking about. You know, I don't have the the answer but i i think you know i mean I think what he might be alluding to um is well i don't know if he's not he is or not but the fact is we've be you know since freud we've become a you know we've become a psychological being and we've discovered that we all have interior lives or we are discovering it as species some of us you know it depends where people are in terms of culture and development and all kinds of things but and more and more people are um i mean it's part of the public conversation now to to speak about psychology and um so i think that's a a a factor a hundred years ago or when tolstoy wrote um there wasn't there wasn't that um it, it just wasn't uh, i don't probably you know there just wasn't the whole field of psychology mm -hmm. you know so that that could be one one reason um i don't think fiction's ever going to go away though right 
I, I would agree with that. Uh, you sent me that wonderful article in The Guardian about mm. how memoir is taking oh, yes. off as a... Uh, oh, right. Right. And speaking of, we have a skill saw happening just <laughs> next door to us right now. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I can't hear it, but... Maybe it'll be all right. Maybe it'll be okay. We'll keep, we will keep going, assuming that it's fine. Okay. Um, yeah. So I, I don't think I got a little mashed up, what I just said, so... The, the article in the guardian the article yeah, in the so guardian. Let's go back. yeah so you sent me a link to an article in the guardian that said something like a memoir for just normal regular average human beings is rapidly climbing in the charts as opposed to uh people not really that interested in celebrities so much anymore right i remember that yeah that's true. That was pretty fascinating. And that, that answers the question to someone says who I haven't had a very interesting life on the contrary. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's actually these, these uh, quote unquote everyday lives or the normal life that we are fascinated by because it's every life has, has its challenges, has its, you know, ups and downs and it's all, you know, just for the mill. It's it's not um, you know it has nothing to do with glamour or how um, out of the ordinary any particular experience is, but it's our capacity to um, explore it and sort of mine it for its for for what it can teach us and what we can learn from it. So very well said. Yes. Very well said. Yeah. And I think we're going to. Uh, bring it to a close okay carol that was Great. brilliant oh good yeah. Yeah. thanks again <laughs> thank you we'll see you see you soon i hope yeah. thanks for listening to ink and pete a production of memoir tours ireland you can learn more about memoir tours and find other podcasts on our website memoirtours.com And we'd love to know if you have ideas for shows or requests. We'd love to hear from you. Contact Craig or Barb at memoirtours.com. Until next time, may you find joy where you least expect it.